Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. And I just feel like we need to show up a lot more intentionally because logo placement is not a partnership. That's not a partnership. That's a bot sign. That's what it's that a is. vendor relationship. Exactly. exactly. Welcome back to episode 27 of What the Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. Today, I'm interviewing Stephanie Malik. Stephanie is known as an expert negotiator and skilled crisis management consultant. Through her current company, she helps top-notch athletes, executives, and businesses take their careers and organizations to the next level, while also resolving high-conflict and crisis cases for individuals and companies globally. For over 25 years, Stephanie had an insanely successful career in which she was an award-winning CEO of a global consulting firm, a serial entrepreneur that spearheaded multi-million dollar acquisitions and mergers while working with more than 11 startups globally. We talk about all of that on this episode, and we go really deep around how to build true partnerships. Although she might be laughing that I'm using that word and you'll see why, but I am so blown away by Stephanie that as you'll see in this episode, I actually forget to officially start the show. Our conversation just starts to roll when I ask her if she's comfortable talking about her history building these groundbreaking strategic partnerships. And then it was just too good to not keep going. So forgive the bumpy start, but the way that Stephanie breaks down how to approach people, handle business, client, and partner relationships is so incredibly wise and important. There are so many implications for how you build cross-sector partnerships and your partnerships with foundations and individual donors. We talk about the most important questions to be asking to help you build true, win-win, mutually beneficial partnerships. Hold on to your hats, my friends, because Stephanie is going to blow you away. Let's get going. You posted something on LinkedIn about curiosity, and that is such a foundational principle of my work. So I'd love to spend time there because I loved what you wrote about it. And I think that's so critical. And then you also have this long background in strategic partnerships. So I know it's not something that I've seen you talk about necessarily recently, but are you open to talking about that piece? Completely. That's interesting. Okay. Mallory, actually, to be honest with you, I just actually just got chills. That's so weird. No one ever asks me about that. And that was literally such an intricate part of my life. We had to partner and be compelling with no budget. So everything we did was gorilla. And by the way, I was promoted way too young. I got promoted twice, once because my manager left in the middle of the night and the other one because my new manager died. And so now I was a director of a public company with a global team that the person closest to age was 11 years my senior and had been with a company for seven years. I had been with the company seven months. 
Okay. And they're like, okay, here's your P. They just handed me, they're like, here you go. And I like looked down and it said PL. And I took it as penal. And so I went into a meeting with a bunch of executives and I said, does anybody want to go over the penal? Like, very matter of fact. And they, thank God, they thought I was like joking because what says something like they literally were like, ah, ha, ha, new girls got jokes anyway. And there wasn't internet, there wasn't LinkedIn, there wasn't SEO, there wasn't Google, there wasn't, you couldn't go find any of these things. Anybody that you went to go ask, they were vying for your job. Mm-hmm. You weren't trying to be like, oh, excuse me, new girl needs help. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was fun for me, Mallory. It was fun because you know what? Some jobs I had no budget. I mean, everything was just weird for me. Okay. It was like, here's our marketing budget. Great. How much ROI are you expecting to get from that? And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, I I didn't even, I was like, wait, am I like in the twilight zone? Yeah. Marketing is not tied to sales. Wait, well, how do you know if you did a good job in marketing? Okay. Wait, this is like one of my most fundamental questions of the universe. How do you know? (laughs) Right. And I'm like, well, okay. I literally walked around for five years. Like I was medicated because I was like, (laughs) am I in an alternate universe? Like how, then how do you know if you do a good job? How do you know what program worked? How do you know what Alliance worked? How do you know what to improve on? So it was hard. And then finally I said, you guys, look, here's the deal. I'm not doing it anymore. If you want me to stay and you want me to be effective and you want me to be good, then I need to understand what I'm doing. So I create the right team and I develop the right programs. And they were like, okay, well, we don't want Stephanie to be mad. So go ahead. And it was the first time like Silicon Graphics, I had a $2 million budget. We tied $6 million to revenue in a year. And they were like, uh, oh, did you want to write a newsletter? I'm like, what the, what's a newsletter? <laughs> what does that even mean? So alliances are, I'm passionate. Co-development, co-technology. I wrote the largest partnership for monster.com ever in history. Like, I know you don't know what that is. It's now indie. I do, I do. <laughs> so we did a co-development, co-technology deal. It was $44 million. My boss couldn't get it closed. And I was like, give me a shot. And he was like, oh, you're so cute. And I was like, No, really, give me a shot. I feel like you guys are leaving a lot of stuff on the table. People don't know you. They don't like you. They don't trust you. You're not foundational. They think you're going to write this and leave. And now he's the CEO at Splunk. And he's like, you were completely right. I closed a $44 million co-technology deal for workforce optimization tool before nobody even knew what workforce optimization was. So yeah, we can talk about alliances. We can talk about- Okay, let's just keep going. Yeah. I just want, let's just keep going. Okay, because I want to hear about this. I see things similarly to you in certain ways and how I think about nonprofit partnerships and like cross-sector partnerships and have been asking so many of the same questions or like when a nonprofit is going to build a relationship with a marketing department, I'm like, what is the ROI that you need to see? How can we demonstrate that we are a good partner to you? Because we want to keep doing this year after year. And we really want to understand how do we build something that is meaningful to you? And sometimes folks know, especially now in the day where you can track things a lot differently than you could when you're talking about, right? It's like marketing has really changed in that way, but there's still so much to me that feels like this code that I'm like, does anybody know this? What does brand align? How do you measure brand alignment and the value there? And so I just want to hear more about even this partnership. How did you see all the untapped potential there? I mean, I want to come up with this like really super beautiful, flowery, like epic. Oh my God, no way. I don't know why. And let me backtrack a little bit. I spent my 20s and 30s wondering what was wrong with me. 
we would be in board meetings or venture capital meetings, or we would be in alliance meetings, big companies, big ones, Scient, Viant, Clarify, PeopleSoft, Oracle, Nike, American Express, Motorola, Telstra, Ford, Toyota, no companies that you haven't heard of. And I felt like all of the executives who you know were MIT, Stanford, Harvard, Yale, and then me, I felt like none of the questions really, I didn't understand what they were asking. Like, to your point, how is that building? I literally just, here's what I did, Mallory. I walked into a room and I went like this, which one do you want? And everybody was like, that's the questions that they would ask. And I was like, you haven't even asked Mallory, how long has she been with the company? Is this the first job that she's had in this position? What did she expect that's exactly the same that she was expecting? Or what did she think was going to happen at this job that hasn't happened? What's keeping her up at night? What's her talent strategy? Like I ask questions that are not about my service because I want to know where your head is. I want to know where your heart is. I want to understand where you're aligned. And I mean, after the first couple of questions, because it's rocky, I'm not going to lie. I just really want a connection with you. And I would hear these people asking questions, but they weren't asking questions, Mallory. Hey, Mallory, what's your measurement for success? What hasn't worked? What have you tried that you love that's no longer available to you? And I would ask these questions and everybody would just sit back and I'm telling you, it was so uncomfortable. Mallory, I'm not kidding, okay? They would go, the silence felt like it was like 13 years. It was like 20 seconds, but they were like, oh, hey, that's a really good question. And then I would be like, great. You <laughs> like... Did anybody want to answer it now? Like I just, you know, throwing it out there. Well, one of the things I realized about this was people didn't know their own measurement of success. They didn't know how to be measurable and accountable themselves. So going to partner with somebody was incredibly difficult. The partner was successful if they gave you their brand, their logo, their brand alignment document. And I would get these documents. Thank goodness I was so new or naive or whatever you want to call it. Cause I'd be like, Oh, awesome. That's great. What's this for? It's not talking about the partnership. It's not talking about the Alliance. It's not talking about how you show up. What do you show up with? What do I show up with? If we're going to bake a cake or we're going to build a menu, you come with things and I come with things. There was none of that. And it was so natural for me to be so curious about that. And the looks I would get would be like, what is she doing? And then deal after deal after deal started closing. Here's the differentiator. Whenever I would close the deal, I would give this flip people out. I can't tell you how many times I got written up for it. I would give you a 30 day grace period to get out of it because I wanted you to want to marry me. I wanted to show up for you and let you know, I'm not changing anything. By the way, Mallory, if there's anything you want to change about this document, as we start working together on Monday, if there's anything you want to change about this, or maybe if there's anything that you think we could do better, let's revisit it in 20 days. And you would go, great. You know how many documents changed? None. People felt safe. They felt like you were there to build, not sell. You were there to solution not gouge, not make money, not walk away. I love the people that say, I'm sorry, that's not my team. My team is new accounts. And now you're passed over to an in-house service team. If you're mine, you're mine forever. People don't see it like that. So that's why I was always a little different. Okay. I love it. Cause now I'm covered in chills because we have so many similarities actually, even in our stories around early promotion and feeling like the person in the room that didn't know the language that everyone else was using and 
relying on a lot of curiosity and wonder to figure things out. But also you said my favorite question in the world, which is what keeps you up at night. And so the thing that has been really different for me as I've built a framework for building cross-sector partnerships is like having organizations lead with that question, because who cares about a logo on a table tent at your event? What value is that creating in the world? How is that really supporting your mission, that $2,500 sponsorship of that event? And how is that really supporting the partner? It's not, there's no real value there. And so how can we help each other solve the problems that are keeping both of us up at night? We can do so much better than that logo placement. And I just have always fiercely believed that. And I've watched the same thing too, like being on calls with marketing folks, especially with the nonprofit lens, where I think so often they're like, okay, you're just going to ask me for money and leaning in and being like, tell me what are your biggest pain points? What's keeping you up at night? And just like the way they relax, lean in. So many of them have said things like no one's ever asked me that before. And I've been so shocked by that. It's almost like a clock. It's almost like click, go. And then they go, and they're just like pitching. For me, it just feels so disingenuous. Honestly, Mallory, I got written up when I was younger. I got written up like maybe 10 times because I would go in and meet with somebody. I didn't ask them for the sale. My boss was doing a ride along and I'm just like, they don't need us or we're too small or we're too big or, Hey, I really feel like they, they need a conversation more than like a platform or a software or a SaaS solution, but you could have sold. Yeah, I could have sold. And I, I sell in Silicon Valley and how big is Silicon Valley and how incestual is Silicon Valley. I'd rather keep the relationship. I'd rather be top of mind for you to call to go, hey, Steph, do you know anybody in this space? Or, hey, I'm really struggling here. Can we have a conversation? It's not always about the sale. It's about the solution. And to your point about the logo placement, that's a big, huge pet peeve for me. I feel like it doesn't happen. And and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm completely fine being wrong. For me, whenever I was younger and I was doing these alliances constantly, people weren't so aware the buyer or the partner wasn't necessarily super savvy. So they didn't realize that maybe you paid for that logo. They're like, oh, they partnered cute. Um, But I remember, I'll never forget this in a million years. And I know Mark. So I know Mark Benioff from Salesforce. And I'll never forget when somebody reached out to me, my previous consulting firm that I started. And they said, we'd like to partner with you. Hi, this is so-and-so from Salesforce. We'd like to partner with you. And I'm like, and it's so funny. Everybody in my office is like, oh God, they're so dumb. And they like disperse because they're like, oh, watch Stephanie inhale Salesforce. It's going to be so fun. (laughs) I say, oh, tell me what you'd like to partner on. And they're like, oh, oh." I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't understand that (laughs) one more time. And they're like, oh, all of your, all of your software, like eh, all of it. And I was like, okay do you know how big my organization is? And they would say something like, yes, like right under 60,000 people. And I'd be like, yeah, no, I think it's actually interesting. You actually need to go back to the drawing board and do better research. And a lot of the times I was really nice. There are also times that I wasn't where I was like, you call me and say, you want a partner. What's my business? How do you know you want a partner? Do I have liens? Do I pay my bills? Am I nice to my partners? Am I kind? Am I, do I have a giant turnover? How do you, what do you want to partner with? Because what I feel like is you want to sell me a bunch of stuff I don't need. And I told Mark, um, Frank Van Vienendahl was my previous boss at another company. He was the president of Salesforce for a long time. I was like, have your people do better. Like I want a partner is not acceptable. What do they want to partner with me in? And do you have an affordable thing for, I wasn't 60,000, I was 16. Like I was 16 people globally dispersed. Like where's your information coming from? 
And I just feel like we need to show up a lot more intentionally because logo placement is not a partnership. That's not a partnership. That's a bot sign. That's what it's that a vendor is. relationship. Exactly. exactly. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. I totally agree. I think like clarity around why you want to partner, really seeing the other person and being specific and not some like scatter fired approach. But what's so interesting actually about what you're talking about is also the flip side of being really trustworthy. My guess is they also were reaching out to you like that because they trusted you because of your reputation of being a good partner in the other ways. And so perhaps they didn't even do their due diligence because they're just like, well, I know we'll figure it out with her at some point. She is a trustworthy person that we could figure these pieces out with. And so it's interesting because I wonder, while I totally agree with you, I think it also speaks to the word of mouth, way you represent yourself attracts people who are willing to come into maybe more fluid or nebulous situations because they're like, I just really trust that we're going to find a match here somehow with you and that you're going to be really honest along the way when there isn't alignment. And that's so rare, I think, to find in some of these spaces that people are just, whatever you do, we want to do it because we'd rather talk to you about that than be out in the ocean not having a clue if what people are saying is what they're doing or any of those things. And so you make a really good point, Mallory, because here's the thing. That's actually how I started my coaching business because you're going to get inhaled. If you get an executive on a bad day and you come with, I want to partner with you, you're going to get inhaled. Let's figure out how you show up better. Let's figure out your executive presence. Let's figure out your pitch to make not make it sound pitchy. Let's figure out your provocative questions. How do you show up? What are you looking for? And I probably could have been a little easier, but I, I would say, hey, why don't you come into the office or why don't you grab coffee? Let's come in for a 20 minute conversation. And they would get there and I'd be like, don't ever call me without having the right research. I'd rather you say, I don't know. I had somebody try and sell me consulting services and I'm like, oh, so interesting. You want a partner? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, uh, so you're asking me to partner with you and your firm does consulting services. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, tell me more. And they're like, okay. And they start going through all the things that they consult in. And I start asking them for metrics and they have really strong metrics. So the deal is, is I could have partnered with them, but they didn't even know what I did. And so it's like, when you show up, instead of calling a hundred cold calls, do 10 and know them really well, because they're going to, they're going to remember how you made them feel. They're going to feel safe. They're going to feel like they matter. They're going to feel secure. They're going to feel open. They're going to feel wanting to share. They're going to find a way to partner. By the way, go look up that word and then let me know what you did wrong. And they did. And it was great because partnering is hard. It's like marriage. Sometimes you want to be in it and sometimes you don't, but you have to stick through it and really see the other side. Yeah. Actually, I think you're talking about this other thing that I have been thinking about constantly recently, which is there's this perception in the nonprofit sector that trust takes a long time to build. And so there's this idea of this long partnership period or long funder period, right? They're like, oh, you need 12 to 18 months to cultivate a major donor or a corporate partner or any of these things. And that has not been true in my experience. And when I've really thought about what it's taken to close, you know, six figure deals in a 50 minute phone call, 
what I think it is, is actually a lot of what you talked about. How can you build trust in that 15 minutes to make it clear? You really see them. You really understand their business goals. You're really committed. You're not going to have some term sheet that can never be adjusted, right? Like I've done similar things, but I never really consciously necessarily realized it. And I was on a call recently. I was coaching like a group of 15 folks. And I just said to them, you know, it was the end of the call is like 55 minutes in. And I was like, how many of you trust me right now? And they all raised their hands. And I was like, so why do we believe that it takes so long inside the sector to build trust? It's because we are showing up inauthentically with our needs front and center. We are not taking the time to get to know people or build aligned partnerships to achieve shared goals. Of course, that's going to take you 18 months if you're not connecting, but you can connect and do all of those things in 50 minutes. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's important to tell your listeners as well is also to don't be emotionally tied to the goal. Walk away. I can't tell you how many times I say no. It doesn't happen as much anymore. And I think because people have gotten to really know me online and they're like, oh, if I ask that question, I'd be really better be prepared for the answer. But I'm like, you're creepy. Like I, you're creepy. You look away. You're not looking in my eyes. You're not hearing all the things that I'm not saying. Go up to my website and click work with me now and I'll see what I can do. But I'm not gonna just sit here and pour into you because I don't feel like you even believe in what you're doing. And I'm not going to buy or solution or partner with anybody who doesn't believe from their soul what they're doing. I'm not going to do it. A couple of weeks ago, I actually told somebody, I said, what are you doing? And, and she said, what do you mean? I said, you, you hate this job. And she literally turned bright red and she burst into tears. And she said, I had to do university online. My merit award didn't go through unless I go back to class in person. Both my parents are at risk. I have to pay for it myself. And I said, stop everything. Let's just spend 20 minutes. And she was sobbing. And in 48 hours, she had a new job that she liked and she believed in. And I said, you have to ask sometimes. You have to tap out and you have to say, I know it's not landing with you. I'm looking at you. I'm over my skis. I'm not feeling this right now. Reach out, ask somebody, be genuine in everything that you do. Even if you don't love what you're doing or you feel nervous about what you're doing, talk about that. People want to connect and they want genuine connection. Most people want it lifelong unless they are sketchy. <laughs> First T of Greater Akron needed to switch from an outdated donor management system to something more user-friendly. With Bloomerang, they found that and more. Executive Director Josh Smith commented, We love Bloomerang. It saved time. It's helped us raise more funds. By investing in a donor database that they actually loved using, First Tee of Greater Akron was able to raise more funds and continue creating lasting change in their community. To listen to the full interview with First Tee of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com backslash what the fundraising or click the link in the show notes. So like my background is in the nonprofit sector. I became an accidental fundraiser. Like so many leaders in the sector, you just get promoted up, come with big fundraising responsibilities, wildly uncomfortable thing to do in your mid twenties and asking for millions of dollars. And especially with the way our society wires beliefs about money and self-worth and value and philanthropy. And there was no space to talk about any of that. So I never felt like I had permission to say, gosh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm so nervous to sit down with you right now. No, I would have been definitely fired. 
<laughs> right. For sure. Absolutely. And you know, Mallory, it gets to a point and you're really good. Like you're really, really good at this. Like you're really good at building rapport. You're really good at engaging. You're great. You're natural. There's going to get to a point where you're on for five minutes and you're like, yeah, no, thank you so much. Like, I really, really appreciate it. I just, I'd not, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So tell me how you hold those boundaries. Cause I think you're right that I know that, but tell getting off that discovery call, even that fast. It's funny with funders, I've done it. I have said five minutes into a meeting, wow, it is so cool to hear about what you're doing. That actually isn't what this organization is focused on right now, but I would love to make an introduction to you to another organization. That has felt interesting, probably because of the power dynamic of the money in that situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But with a business call or something, either way, whether they're interested in a service for me and I'm like, it's definitely not a fit or the other way, it's like a date. God, I never walked out of a date in five minutes, even though I knew, I knew I still sat there. Oh yeah. No, I walk out. (laughs) I love it. Tell me how, tell me your secrets. So, (laughs) So here's the thing. There's two things. There's, it's not a good fit. You're a good person. And there's, it's not a good fit. You're not a good person. Okay. And you can draw those narratives in your head. You know, if they're a good person, you know, if they're not. And so I think it's different. So for me, I say no, 80% of the time I kill myself for my clients. So the way that my business works, I have three lines of business. Okay. I have business consulting. I've done 4 million to 4 billion. Okay. So I didn't mean to have that big of a play. Cause I feel like if you serve everyone, you serve no one, but the people that have moved up and moved up that I've worked with, they are now running billion dollar corporations. So I have that experience. The second thing is high impact performance coaching. And those people, those are my people. I am literally in the most uncomfortable situations with you. I'm with you for your clients. I'm with you for your friends. I'm with you for your mate. I'm with you for your company and your peers and your executives. And I'm like, I'm going pivot, tweak, pivot, tweak, pivot, tweak. I take three of those a year only. Three, that's it. It's a global position. So I'm flying to Singapore with you and Australia with you and I'm flying to Ireland with you. I'm like your shadow, okay? And at the end of that time, you are 40 to 60% higher in revenue, higher in growth or higher in talent retention, guaranteed. And most of the time it's been 75%, okay? And then there's crisis and crisis is money laundering, bid rigging, skimming, everything, college admission scandal, anything financial, white collar, any infidelity, any of those high impacts. So think of the people that are the most highly visible that automatically get on TV or paparazzi. We've had 39 clients and only one has ever gotten to media. And the biggest thing is it's discernment, Mallory, it's discernment. So if I know right now, and I know, I know, like in five minutes, I know, I will very politely say, hey, Mallory, you're coming to me with this problem, but we haven't addressed the pain. So your back hurts, but you're not willing to not sit so long. So I have somebody who's going to meet you exactly where you are, who's probably most likely local to you. And I think that they can work out a lot of the kinks before you kind of move to the next level. And so that's a, you're a good person. You're a good human. You just are not a right fit. Okay. You are an arrogant jerk, or you believe that you're something that you're not. I will literally say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. But you know what? I have realized I don't have any desire to waste any more of your time and I would never take you as a client. And then there, and I said, so let's just, let's unpack that for a second. Do you think I'm probably wrong? I'm probably the wrong one. 
do you get feedback that you're a great person? Does your wife or does your husband think you're amazing? Are your kids calling just to check in on your employee reviews? And they're like, okay, okay, I understand. Okay, thank thank you. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) I mean, and I mean, sometimes it's bad. There's selfies that are shirtless. There's like, I have so much money. Can you meet me on my yacht in Monaco? And I'm like, you know what? My husband and I were just talking about taking that trip. Yes, we will totally meet you there. You know, here's the itinerary. So you can't take yourself too seriously. You have to just be really strong in who you are, your values, your morals, and you're going to draw those people in. But you do not waste one second talking to clowns. Don't do it. Be like, go. And don't be referring clowns to other people because that's how we get a bad ecosystem. So just say, no, I, you're not what I want. Yeah. I think that's so great because probably half the listeners are actually consultants in the nonprofit or social impact space. So I think that is actually great framing. And something you said before around the good people, wrong fit, and who are the upstream or downstream solutions around your business or nonprofit. I think that's so important. And I've been trying to figure that out for my business. Who isn't ready yet for me and where should they go first or who needs more handholding than my business provides and what is the ecosystem? I think for nonprofits, that's a really missed opportunity. A lot of the time is to network and not necessarily collaborate programmatically, but be a bit of that referral service. I think there's so much like scarcity mindset in the nonprofit sector that they just want to take partnership and money at all costs sometimes. And we have this donor retention rate number that's constantly at play in the sector. And it's anywhere from like 45 to 55%, depending on the source and year. But that number drives everyone crazy. Part of me is maybe that number is fine. Maybe it's actually fine to think that 50% of the people who give are the right partners for you, are aligned partners. And 50% are going to give because their friend invited them to. And perhaps if we were more intentional throughout our entire fundraising process around identifying and aligning with the right partners, that number would change. But hounding the lapsed donors is actually not the solution to that. So I love every single aspect of that. Okay, so I'm going to do two things. Have you ever heard of mind map? No. Okay, so listeners, mind map. So I'm going to tell you how to do this. So mind map is a Google thing. It's called mind map. Think of it as a word bubble. Think of it as a like data dump. So when I was doing my business and I wanted to invite only the people that I knew, like I know Mallory, if if I send you a text message and I'm like, Mallory, I know it's 11 o'clock at night, but I really need you to talk to this person. I'm not going to have to coach you on talking to that person. I know you're going to ask the right person, the right questions, and you're going to report back to me. That was a great fit. Thank you so, so much. Or you're going to be like, hey, Steph, they were really, really good. They're in an area of my business I haven't built out. I referred him to this person. Okay, either way, I'm going to get that feedback. So what I do is I put my core pillars in the middle of this circle, okay? And whatever they are, again, I'm not going to go through this because I have three lines of business. So just think about where your core is. So maybe your core is great business alignment and you've built that out to whatever that is, okay? So 80% on the same page. And then you go through, I really want to focus on women. I really want to focus on single moms or I really want to focus on universities, whatever that core is in the middle, whatever your pillars are. Mine are empathy, minor connection. I have 10 of them, minor grace, minor super solid EQ skills, self-awareness, self-actualization, really deep-seated skills. And then you have to be honest and have deep integrity. I don't care what your story is. I don't care how bad it is. There's nothing you can say to me. I don't care. But you have to be the one telling me your story. I don't want to read it in a newspaper or hear it from a husband or a wife or 
a victim or whatever it is. So once I know what I'm doing, I'm like, who in that, forget their services, who would connect with that, that I wouldn't have to waste too much of my time. So I know Mallory's going to get it. I know Shonda would get it. I know Erica would get it. Mike won't get it. He'll take forever to explain. I can't do that right now. And I start doing the people, not the service. Then I go, what service do they provide? Even if it's just warmth, even if it's grace, even if it's connection, whatever it is, I'm like, oh gosh, Mallory shows up like this. Mallory's punctual. Mallory knows everybody in this area. And I start kind of mapping it out from there, okay? And then I have a really good alignment of resources. So I call you and I'm like, hey, Mallory, I need like a first line of defense. I'm traveling way, way too much. Could you take, how many new clients could you possibly take? And you're like, oh, you know what? I'm open right now. I could do six. And then you're like, Steph, make sure they're not too low level. So maybe they're a million dollars of revenue or above, but make sure that they're not 25 or over because I feel like I would be not. Okay, whatever. And then I ask you, can you think of two people that you would pass them off to? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Deborah and John. Okay. And then all of a sudden I just add those things and my list is like this big and I know the services. It takes a day, maybe two. When you see your network and like pretty messy colors and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it clicks for you and it makes so much sense. You feel so much stronger to show up and advise based on who you know, on top of what you know. So that's number one. Number two, for donors, I survey the heck out of everybody. I won't even take your money. I'm not even gonna take your money. I wanna know what's important to you. I wanna know, do you like your kids? Do you not like your kids? You know how many people actually answer that question and they're fine with it? They're like, oh, they were really great till they hit 21 and now they're not so much. I'm like, oh my gosh, me too, crazy. So you develop that connection with them, but I survey them. What would make you stay? What would make you go? What would light you up so much that you would want to give more? And I do these little tiny things along the way. For example, somebody goes, oh, you know what? If you did a scholarship for Afghanistan women, I will send them a donation that we've made to Afghanistan schools. And I will say, would you like to do a quote for me in this? I bring them into my circle. So when they decide not to donate, they're leaving the relationship. They're leaving the care that they've gotten. If you just show up and ask them for money, they just feel like a source, like they're just a bank. They don't feel connected to the cause. Why do it? What's the point? You want them to feel so connected to you and what you're doing. And then you want to say, hey, John, how do I do better? What would have made this easy? What would have made you say yes faster? What did I miss? What are the things that I didn't cover that you go, gosh, I really felt like that would be natural for you to cover. What are those things? I'm telling you, Mallory, when I do these things, I have to like spend so much time talking about it because they want to share what would make that experience better for them. Mm-hmm. And there are some nuances in your questions, I think, that also provoke that level of interest, right? What lights you up versus why do you give to us? Just there's these small changes to the way that you're saying things that are inviting people to think bigger. And I think that is building that connection, just like with what's keeping you up at night. It's like, I can tell you, (laughs) you want to know like you're, and, and really from the point of connection, I love that you said empathy first, because when you were talking about the mind map, I said, I'm like mind map, but they're like, no, mind map. I'm like, mind map. Um, But you said empathy first, because that is also just a theme I've been thinking about so much related to how we work in the nonprofit sector, because I think empathy so often gets confused for like 
sympathy. I actually think in the nonprofit sector, in many ways, we are the least empathetic because we get such tunnel vision around the scarcity mindset and the survival mode in the sector that it's so hard for us to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And we even have a lot of conflicting energy to do it with our funders because we're like, why do I need to imagine what their life is like? They have the money. We don't have the money. And they set up this impenetrable kind of ability to sit in the other person's shoes and be like, look, everyone has things that are keeping them up at night and absolutely right. And things that light them up. And if you're ever going to figure out who you're really aligned with, you have to go there. It's not going to be on some one pager of your organization. That's going to give you any look into who someone is. No. And the other thing is too, Miller, I would just fire them. I would just be like, you don't belong in this organization because you're reading from a script. I want you to care. I don't want you to call somebody who's going to donate to us. I ask the craziest questions. Like when was the last time you laughed, like belly laughed, like laughed out loud? And they're like, oh, and then they'll say, when I was in Portugal, I was blah, blah, blah at this place. And then you're like, oh my gosh, Portugal, I've been there. And they're like, oh, I'm from there. And then you start building a natural connection, but you have to ask them a question you really, really care about. Mallory, have you lost anybody in the pandemic? And then they're like, I mean, yes, but no. And then they'll tell you a story. People want to share. Nobody asks them these questions. They're all pent up inside of them. You want them to give money. How many other people are asking them for money? How many other people have done better research than you've done? How many other people are vying for that slot? And if that person's a good person, are they agonizing? Like, what if the donation doesn't go to what they say? What if the organization gets closed down for like money laundering or fraud? Think about all of the things that their name is tied to and how hard they've worked to make this money. They have a lot going on in their tax benefits. They have all of their business people and their financial people telling them who to invest in and who to fund and all of these. They're as overwhelmed as you are in getting it. They're that overwhelmed in giving it. So to be empathetic and really understand where they're coming from, but asking super thought-provoking, genuine questions or asking for money or talking about wealth was not hard or difficult. It was how I showed up, not them. Yes. Oh my God. And that's like, we know even from the science, I had Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett on another episode. Yeah. We talked about the way we calibrate our energy with each other and just how energy attracts energy and just meeting someone where they're at. I've gone so far as to, and by the way, in a very desperate situation, like again, being completely transparent in a very, very desperate situation, I have gotten on a call before and I've noticed somebody's very preoccupied. I've noticed that. And I stopped the call. And you know what, Mallory? I have no desire to be another added stress on your to-do list. And I can just tell by your presence I've watched you enough in your content and I've watched you enough speaking to people. I know you're distracted. I can't imagine what is going on for you. Would you mind if we rescheduled so you could take some time and actually just reflect on what's going on for you to take care of that? And they are, first of all, they're freaked out because they're like, how did you know? Oh my God. Do you think I showed up on all the calls like this today? And then yes, it right. And then it turns <laughs> into a coaching session, but no judgment you know what? Probably not, but I'm a body language expert and I really focus on all the things that are not being said. So probably everybody's so involved in their own life that they're not really paying close attention to you. And I don't want to start our relationship off like that. 
I want you to know that you're seen, you're felt, you're heard, and I want to build and gain trust. And that wouldn't be very kind of me if I started a relationship knowing that your brain is somewhere else. And it's literally cell phone friends for the rest of your life. Like they're like, hey, I was thinking about, can you speak here? Is there any way we can collaborate on this? I was thinking about you for that. And it's such an honor to make people feel so calm and settled and still just by paying attention to them. That was all I did. Nothing cost money. Was I out a little bit of time? Yeah, but was I really? Because how good would the conversation have been if we just kept going down this road? I just gave them 45 minutes to an hour back and I was able to complete some work and we have something on the book scheduled. And the biggest thing is I showed up compassionate and empathetic for what they were going through. That's the relationship. That's the trust. I love it. And I think it's just a really incredible example of something I try to practice, but I think struggle with sometimes is opening myself up to sort of the care and empathy on one side, but then holding that distance from the emotional investment or engagement or drama, right? It's this constant balance of, I obviously deeply care about you. That's why I've taken you on and I care about what you're doing. And yeah, I'm not getting caught up in your drama because that's not my drama. I'm here to provide space outside of the drama and clarity outside of the drama. And the moment I'm inside of it with you, we lose all the clarity. And I think also too, Mallory, one of the other things I would do is I would just ask a lot of questions. I would say, would it help you if I jumped in there with you? And then the other thing is I'm very clear about, I'm not going to show up more than you're showing up. I'm not going to show up heavier, faster, harder working than you. So I'm going to meet your energy level. So there's no surprises. We're not guessing. So it's an easy, honest, integrity-filled relationship from the very beginning. Okay. I could talk to you forever, but I want to be respectful of your time and energy. So just, we wrap up with just telling folks where they can find you. And if there's a nonprofit you'd like to highlight for folks to go check out and give to. Okay. Thank you so much. So my name is spelled a little differently. I'm sure you'll link it. It's Stephanie. It's S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E. Last name is Malik, M-A-L-I-K, and every social. So Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, everything is Stephanie Malik. My website is stephaniemalik.com. Britta put together a special offer for you guys for free consultations. So if there's anybody who wants to have a conversation regarding their business or consulting or coaching, stephaniemalik.com forward slash contact. And in the subject line, you would just say Mallory. Amazing. Thank you Yeah, And as far as nonprofits go... I'm having a hard time with this. So I have been looking at so much around sex trafficking. That has just become so incredibly close to me. I've had a couple very, very good friends who have had near misses with their children, one in San Jose area, which was right down the street from our house. And a couple of them were sister schools to my daughter's schools. And so I've gotten a lot more active with these associations. And I haven't quite put my finger on I don't want to say the best because I think anybody working on these issues, I think it's just so huge. But I would say just anything around sex trafficking, these little angels, little boys and little girls, people think it's just a girl problem. The boy problem is up just almost as much as the girl problem. Just make yourself aware. If you see something, say something and just look into what you can do to actually make yourself more aware. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for joining me today. This was so fun. I'm grateful for the conversation. You're so welcome. And please reach out if you need anything at all and and let me know how I can help. Thank you.
Is your hair blown back or what? I feel like I was holding onto my seat this entire conversation and my face hurts from smiling and nodding so much. There are endless words of wisdom in this episode, but a few things I don't want you to miss are, number one, taking that step back and asking, how are you showing up when you're trying to build and maintain partnerships? When it comes to partnership meetings, it's amazing how much it changes the connection with funders and partners if you're truly interested in how they're doing and what's keeping them up at night. It's not just about asking these questions, it's about really caring about the answer. In addition to that question, Stephanie gives us so many other examples of unique questions that build a feeling of guidance and understanding. I also love the wisdom she shares about understanding your provider ecosystem and the idea of mind map so that you get comfortable not being everything to everyone and instead really look for that alignment and get ready to pass funders and partners off to others in your map when they aren't aligned with you, but they are with someone else. Okay, I could go on and on, but for all the other takeaways from this episode, head on over to malloryerickson.com slash podcast to get access to everything right now. You'll also find more information there about Stephanie's incredible work and how to connect with her and take advantage of that super generous offer for a free discovery call. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you next week. Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to malloryerickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.